podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. This is Nikki Yu, also known as Faces Trader. It's April 15, 2021, and you're watching the Awesome 10X Global Market Update. Let's begin. So actually, last night, I think some people were a little bit um, very excited about the Palantir double-click demo day. And I would have to say that I, was, um, I wasn't able to watch the entire uh, invest. Um, the entire double I wasn't there in the double click demo day so I instead watched like uh, investing opportunities uh, breakdown of it so what I could what I could know is that so far it's really a life sciences demo I'm a bit um I, I find it a bit weird that Palantir was actually not rising after the demo day and most of the most of the feedback that I saw was not everybody understood what Palantir exactly does to the life sciences. Now, it's very normal that most people could not understand how AI is helping us discover drugs, how, um, you know, how, how Palantir, which is an AI company, is enabling so many companies to actually um, serve, serve their clientele. So in fairness, I think the best way for us to understand this is to watch even just five minutes of uh, Palantir's demo day. I'll show to you the Palantir double-click demo, um, some of the clips. So this is the entire one hour. A lot of people shared it, uh, the double-click on Vimeo. Uh, I watched mostly um, the, the investing opportunities breakdown on it. So for those who like listening about Palantir, you want to go into the investing opportunities, um, investing opportunities, uh, how should I say this? His, uh, no, his, his summaries. It's very good. So I'll share to you this one. Um, Palantir Life Sciences Demo. Let's watch even just the first, uh, first five to ten minutes. I'll watch it with you. Play. The provider. So. They've done this in January 2021, and um, they they're they they're doing this not really for investors, but really for their uh, clients clients that they want to become um, bigger users of Palantir or prospective clients. Mama, pwede po? Two dubilis ng toddler years. I'm Sean Sankar, Palantir's Chief Operating Officer. I'm excited to kick off the first in a series of DoubleClick events with you today. We're going to show you how our software is addressing our customers' hardest problems and helping them with their biggest opportunities. And we're going to show you how it's doing so in unique ways, ways only Palantir can, leveraging out-of-the-box archetypes on top of Foundry. 
Today, we're building on our inaugural demo day back in January. That event brought exceptional interest in our platform from around the globe, but in particular, incredible demand in the U.S. where we just almost can't keep up. Today, we'll be taking a deep dive into life sciences and industrials. In the last year, as scientists accelerated research at unprecedented rates, as manufacturing ramped, as global supply chains were tested, Foundry was there. It was there to accelerate outcomes, to manage shocks across both these industries with customers like Merck Group, 3M, the NIH. Most recently, after partnering to distribute 7.5 billion PPE items, we've been proud to work with NHS England on their vaccine distribution program. The NHS ordered, allocated, tracked, and delivered every single one of the 29 million and counting vaccines that they've administered, and the hundreds of SKUs that are needed for each and every single one of those jabs in Foundry. We have thousands of users, from GPs at the front lines to MPs on the phone lines, drawing from the same source of truth. Nearly 2,500 vaccination sites are managed using Foundry. It helps the NHS navigate supply fluctuations, manage cohorting, all while protecting patient privacy as a first-order concern using our novel purpose-based access control technology. And we congratulate them on the tens of millions of vaccinations to date, a truly heroic feat. Our two platforms, Gotham and Foundry, they're operating systems for the modern enterprise. Gotham provides an end-to-end solution from space to mud that integrates every single sensor and every single shooter for U.S. and allied defense around the world. It is a single platform that helps you understand, decide, and act. Foundry is, by analogy, that same operating system for the enterprise. It helps you understand, decide, and act. It isn't just about analytics. It's about decisions, about making better decisions. It's not just about being more efficient. It's about winning. Winning by generating sustainable alpha by outlearning the competition. And only Foundry can do this. It is a completely unique offering. The team will walk you through our life sciences and industrial archetypes, which deliver value through out-of-the-box, end-to-end workflows immediately. Our archetypes in every industry, not just life sciences and industrials, are a growing and continuously improving set of workflows and capabilities that are enabling our customers to rapidly get increasing value from Foundry. Most importantly, everything you see today is modular. By design, Foundry allows you to build on what you have and take only what you need. Uh, let's stop right there. Just in that single like three-minute video from Sham Sankar, you've learned a lot about Palantir. For all of you, um, you know how much I love uh, big data and data analytics Palantir. We have been preaching to buy Palantir since 9.50 or 10. Wait up, I'm going to stop that video. Okay, stop it. Um, so you could see that Palantir has been very successful in helping address the COVID vaccine. Um, what most of you don't know is the feats that were possible um, because what Palantir was doing, working with Merck, 3M, NIH. I'm going to just repeat a few highlights from what he said. Um, they've worked with 7.5 billion um, vaccine-related, uh, I don't know, 7.5 billion vaccine-related data points. 29 million plus vaccines, hundreds of thousands of SKUs, working with GPs and MPs. Um, they helped that heroic feat of vaccinating tens of millions of vaccines, uh, vaccinations in a day. Operate, they are the operating system for the modern enterprise. It's a platform to help you decide and act, and it is modular, meaning you don't need to use the entire Gotham and, found, and Foundry, depending... <coughs> Sorry, depending on what 
what necessary um life science uh life science uh question that you need to address whether you be a healthcare provider or um or a company that's using um, Gotham or Foundry just to decide better. They're even saying that it's not about cost efficiency. In the end, it's really about winning. Winning because your competition might not know that data and you can actually address that data for your customer even before um, the rest actually understand it better. Um, a lot of people uh, are have a very little understanding of the biggest technologies that are shaping our world today. And I'd say that um, that big technology or secular trend that we are still underinvested upon is truly artificial intelligence. Um, how much has deep learning addressed questions that we couldn't answer in the past? Um, just last last few days ago nvidia actually released a potential uh, breakthrough with what they are working on nvidia and with schrodinger and so um even if i am not too familiar i'd like to read to you the advances in ai and how healthcare are working upon um i shared in my twitter and i'll read it for you uh semalife which is cmlf cmlf is actually a spac semaphore I'm just going to read to you uh, somebody else's um, breakdown of it. So what is Semaphore? His due diligence, he's saying that it's a genomics play. It's an AI platform. It's data similar to Palantir. It does drug discoveries. It's a healthcare. And you've got a world-class CEO with at least $190 million of real revenues already as of 2020. I've been looking on some healthcare ideas, not just, Semala not just Semaphore, but also uh, Schrodinger. Um, Schrodinger, so I think that NVIDIA and Schrodinger are working hand-in-hand. -hand. Uh, CMLF is also doing well. Palantir is also working with a lot of healthcare-related companies. And if you think about it, one of the biggest breakthroughs is really to understand this 100x opportunity that's merging between deep learning and biogenomics. Um, it might not be uh, something that we can see in the next five years. It could be seven years or it could even be earlier. But it's very important for us to really understand this high quality growth companies with huge tailwinds because we're talking about the 7 billion people that are at risk uh, whether it's COVID vaccines or whether it's um, another, uh, whether it's a different type of disease. So let's understand this. This is a low risk, long term reward. Understand that it's an attractively valued company at $3 billion uh, for Salmon Life, low debt, high cash. They've got 15 times price to sales. It's uh, got no near term catalyst so far. But what they do is with more data, it means more money. Their business model is Semaphore is a genomics testing solution for patients which leverages building a deposit of a building a repository of real world patient data. They monetize this database so that pharmaceutical and healthcare systems would pay for that service. Absolutely very strong statement. Um, take note that Google started with information and data, and with so much data, Google harnessed that in becoming the largest search and advertising platform in the entire world. So think about this one. This is patient data. Okay, so a brief history lesson. In 2016, pa the Congress passed the Curious Act, accelerating medical product development. This act included the provision for the FDA to create a real-world evidence framework to guide the developers in using real-world data for regulatory approval. What does this mean? Real-world data and real-world um, 
and real-world evidence. Real-world data means that this is data from the patient health status or the delivery of healthcare routinely collected from a variety of sources. Real-world evidence is just clinical evidence regarding the usage of that medical product derived from that real-world data. Okay. So how does this all relate to semaphore? Pharma companies are using massive value in RWE or R versus RWD, evidence versus data. The studies by Deloitte is saying that pharmaceutical companies reveal that 94% believe that real-world evidence will be very important by next 2022. Almost all companies are trying to increase their external partnerships for real-world data. 94% of all the surveys are saying data is very important by 2022. They're expecting a shift in just the next two to three years for real-world evidence to being the highest impact that will be disrupted when it comes to research and development, including supporting regulatory findings, uh, augmenting clinical trials in contrast to the more traditional applications where they realize value today. Most respondents expect a wide range of benefits. So far, the biggest gains are coming from post-marketing commitments and executing a cost reduction in these clinical trials. 70% are saying the lack of research-grade data has hindered RW efforts in R&D. This emphasizes the importance of establishing strategic partnerships and more than 80% surveyed companies entered into strategic partnerships accessing new sources of RWD. Almost all companies are expected to increase the investment in talent, technology, and even external partnership to strengthen this RWE capability. Okay, let's learn more. The unprecedented tailwinds in pharma. Since all the pharmaceutical companies believe that real-world data and real-world evidence is needed, Pharmas are now searching for this high-quality data. And who has this? The high-quality data today is Semaphore. Um, since our last benchmarking survey, European Medicine Agency released their uh, reflection papers suggesting that um, the momentum is building throughout the healthcare ecosystem, supporting expanded use of RWD and RWE in a broader market. I'd say that um, in terms of collecting data, Google is also very adamant with this. That's why um, Google invested in Fitbit for remote patient monitoring and why they invested with Amwell. I think if you look at where Google is going into, Google doesn't just like the data that you are releasing in your um, emails, in your search, search mode. Google wants to understand how you sleep, how you walk, how your heart is beating, and um, how you speak. Google wants to know everything about you because information about you is going to be cr crucial for, the, for, for understanding whether you'll get sick tomorrow or not. So Semaphore is also doing that. So it's really a, a race for a lot of data. So how much real-world data so far? So far, they've got 10 million patient records, 5 million records with longitudinal clinical data, 300,000 patient genomic data, and growing. Information is stored and processed inside its centralist engine using machine learning to derive insights. It's a constellation of databases and tools. Um, at Centralist's score is a dynamic repository of multidimensional longitudinal health data, hundreds of public and private databases. They're structuring, curating, annotating, normalizing data, enabling us to generate information, which we will then derive knowledge from this information using predictive models, machine learning algorithms, and NLPs. So the, the knowledge generated by this 
allows us to ascend an understanding of disease and wellness at a molecular, physiological, and pathophysiologic levels. We can then define optimal individualized health course trajectories, extracting different actionable insights for patients and improving health at a population level. This is all built on top of centralists, okay? All right, what else is the flywheel alert? If you've collected all the data and the data is fed into the centralist engine, it will feed back and that will enhance the data like a good flywheel. So look at this. This is the insights engine. This is the data management engine. So it helps um, provide clinical reports, trials, support, population health models, real-world evidences, drug discovery models. So all that knowledge will enable them to have um, a very huge insight on how to solve uh, whatever that is um, happening to you. So maybe you'll show them um, data and they can combine that with real real data to assess um, whatever it may be. So this is where it gets funds. Com combine the demand for real world data with centralists, you get a business that compounds data, just like how Buffett compounds his investments. The more that the customers are using Semaphore, the better will be the data for future customers and the wheel will keep on spinning. So who are the main customers right now? Healthcare systems and pharmaceutical companies. Healthcare systems, of course, it's very simple. You can offer actionable insights at every stage of the patient journey. The value that Semaphore will provide is the ability to personalize insights which could help identify the risks. A case study shows that connecting this with the patient across the pregnancy journey so week 19, your body, vitals, exercise and nutrition, and so forth. So your education, your medical results, and a guidance for you. Okay, um, for pharmaceutical companies, Semaphore has a smorgasbord of solutions. They can use their intelligence to de-risk drug development. They can reduce developmental costs. They can improve the patient selectivity, and they can increase the speed to market, and so on. So um, it lowers the cost of... Um, it lowers the cost for commercialization, which is a huge thing. So if you're a pharmaceutical company, this is going to be um, a reduction of your operational costs. Semaphore's growth trajectory, the base is really from genomic testing. Um, and then when they accumulate so much data, they're going to have secondary insights, which will be a model for reducing costs, improving outcomes for novel disease, improving clinical trial efficiency, and accelerating drug discovery. And they will monetize all that information for moving beyond providers and life sciences. So the first is really diagnostics. I think that the business model is um, uh, understanding whether you are sick or not. Okay, um, if you're still there, let's go further. Okay, um, so the numbers so far. Revenues, 190 million as of 2020. So far, they expect to grow 40% this year. The gross margin is quite healthy with 22%. And 32% is their expected expansion of their gross margin. Why would they expand their gross margin? Because they're increasing their sizes and partnerships and they're going growing outside of their women's health. So we want to watch closely um, how, how huge the TAM is, total addressable market. They're saying that their total addressable market is as huge as $600 billion. How so? Um, these are the white spaces that they want to address. Oncology, diabetes, cardiovascular diseases. Um, pregnancy is a small market. Autoimmune is greater than $100 billion. So this is where they want to have significant growth uh, going forward. Um, where will that valuation stand amongst competition? Invite is a $7 billion market cap. 
Uh, Natera is $8.9 billion. Garden Health is $15 billion. Exact Sciences, which is Oncology, is $21 billion. Uh, ADPT is $5.5 billion. Meanwhile, CM Life is just $3 billion, or the cheapest among all these peers. It's a crime that it is underreported that it just missed the post-COVID-19 genomics mini-bull run. That is a fair, this is a fair deal to be had here. So leadership, it wouldn't be um, something uh, to, to mention. The world-class CEO, Eric Schatt, he's a PhD. He's the Dean for Precision Medicine at Mount Sinai. He's the former head of genomics in Merck, former CFO, uh, CSO of PacBio, founder at Sage Bio Networks. He's the chief scientist at Rosetta Informatics. You want him on your team, in your, in your portfolio of healthcare. So as usual, let's lay out the risks. Admittedly, it's still messy. They need to hone in on winning clients. Growth will be slow if they cannot expand past the women's health. There's just no catalyst so far. It's just purely execution. So if they don't have an execution, some investors will, will not buy. Now, why is it a longer-term play? Because you've got a powerful FDA and pharma RWD tailwinds, a, a flywheel effect of the data platform. If you love data, you'd love CM Life. Strong value for healthcare systems, fair valuation, especially amongst competition, leadership, and investment pedigree. I really think that this is a good um, breakdown of risk-reward capital. And um, you can learn more about CM Life straight from its company, um, straight from CM Life. So how do you go there? Just type in semaphore. Um, Semaphore is a patient-centered healthcare intelligence company. Go straight to the website, watch it, and um, that would help you. So just play around with um, everything from their corporate videos. Let's play one, three minutes. Semaphore is a health intelligence company that aims to better diagnose, treat, and prevent diseases by basically aggregating all of the data that can inform on a patient's condition and being able to provide guidance around that patient effectively to healthcare providers. Ultimately, our aim is how can we provide better guidance for individuals so they never get sick. I've been at the Mount Sinai Health System for five, six years. We achieved pretty good success. We took the genetics department at Mount Sinai from a ranking of 35th or so genetic departments in the country to number four. We have evolved testing to provide state-of-the-art genomic testing within the Mount Sinai health system. But what I noticed was the difficulty in being able to translate all of the high-end research into the clinic in a way a clinician could actually leverage to offer guidance to a patient. When I stepped back to kind of think about why aren't we more successful at translating the research into the clinic, it came down to the accuracy of the models we could build, that the accuracy just wasn't high enough. We didn't have enough data to fit these models to offer the best guidance in a clinically actionable way. So my motivation for starting Semaphore was to pull out everything we were doing at Mount Sinai into Semaphore to scale. To scale it outside the tri-state area, to scale it nationally, internationally, and really engage the right number of patients to acquire enough data to build these models. The platform Semaphore is developing, Centralis, think of big data management platform with sophisticated artificial intelligence layered on top for improved data analytics, predictive modeling, and better guidance. So that platform can serve many different verticals. It's very much like a search engine where you're going to query the data that you have around the patient and back comes the insights. From a patient standpoint, think of it more as an Amazon model, where it's we understand the health of that patient better than the health system, so we're in a better position to match that patient to products and services. 
So it's a really important distinction in what we're doing is the ability to follow at higher frequency resolution over time what's happening in a patient's life. The type of consenting we do on the patient allows us to go into any medical system they've ever been part of to retrieve data for them and on their behalf to reconstruct their longitudinal journeys. And we're now in a position where we're over 600 people. We're running at a run rate of 150 to 200,000 next generation sequencing tests a year. We're consenting patients on a massive scale to aggregate their information. And we have our partner with Mount Sinai launching from that point in the near term. What we're hoping to do is to continue rolling out the first wave of tools that we've developed for physicians in both oncology and reproductive health to engage the complex data being generated around patients in ways that facilitate decision-making in the patient. We're operating within the healthcare system. We understand physician workflows and how physicians work, how billing works, and all of those pieces. It's not just about the data and the models. You have to have the most holistic solution, and that's the solution we provide. I think like in general, I just love how technology, AI is actually integrating um, those breakthroughs and disrupting healthcare as we know it. Whether it's drug discovery, just understanding patient data, because if, um, if their promises are true, we can actually um, save a lot of lives. So those are interesting companies to understand. I hope that you appreciate healthcare and what AI is doing. Um, there's so much to actually dig deep into. Um, you'd want to actually learn how how companies like Biopharma, like VOR Biopharma, how Arya is doing, and we'll try to dig uh, dig deep sometimes one, one, one day at a time about these companies. Um, last night, I'd just like to share that um, a lot of industrial demand was actually hitting all-time highs. You've got United States Steel actually up 7% last night. You could see ArcelorMittal uh, MT going all-time highs at 2965. You've got uh, PKX, aka POSCO Steel, doing well as well, um, also all-time high. So what exactly is happening in the steel-related firms? Why are they all hitting price trends like that? So um, I would say that a huge, uh, a huge demand is coming into the steel because of um, industrial demand is growing obviously because of the renewable energy and a lot of construction uh, recovery. So um, you've got a lot of renewable companies such as wind turbines all needing a lot of steel. So let's try to read more about why United States Steel and even copper like Freeport McMoran is surging all day. It's springtime and there is a smell of infrastructure in the air. Okay, so um, Alcoa is of course the leader for aluminum steel and then copper aluminum steel and copper these are all metal stocks the president as you know has proposed uh, the congress has passed a two trillion dollar infrastructure bill reviving the nation's roads and bridges water supply systems electric grid even telecommunication systems now this bill has passed becoming the biden industrial uh, administration's singular focus um they want to pass under the rules of a budget reconciliation process and um they are predicting that this massive project will require hundreds and thousands of tons of steel, copper, aluminum, and other basic materials. Even those worlds may even fail to capture the full size of this deal. A billion dollars spent on infrastructure, American metals producers will need to put out approximately 50,000 net tons of steel, massive quantities of copper and aluminum, 
And that may be the only reason why uh, these companies are surging into all-time highs. Let's take a look at each of them. For those who are looking into some entry points, ArcelorMittal, um, okay, so United States Steel X, you could enter it at about $22 to $23 right now, but you should have an allocation at $20 just in case it also falls. Um, ArcelorMittal, also something that you should take a look at. Any dips should be okay. Um, Alcoa is AA. Alcoa Corporation is aluminum. You could see a strong all-time high movement. So these are all infrastructure-related plays. If you want to check out um, some competition, um, let's take a look at their um, competitors. Um, how do I do that? Relative valuation here. Actually, I don't look too much on aluminum. I've been mostly on the steel. But... Um, I'd say that um, any dips would be bought by uh, by these sectors, um, but I'm more on the steel play because steel is uh, needed for uh, wind-related, wind turbines. A lot of your um, houses need steel, okay? So let's take a look at your comments, if any. Okay, um, do you like BBKCF? I haven't looked at the company. I think this was the digital asset company, right? Uh, was that it? Um, I remember you asked me about it. Yeah, it was the digital asset company. So I haven't studied the digital asset company. Sorry, uh, BBKCF. Um, I think that the the movement last night of uh, of a lot of crypto assets was just really profit taking. So um, there was a massive surge in most uh, crypto related assets, and it was natural that during the Coinbase that there will be some sell on good news effect. Nonetheless. Um, I find Coinbase very expensive, if you're going to ask me, um, $100 billion. Congratulations to Kevin Durant. He invested when Coinbase was $1.6 billion on IPOs of $100 billion. So they have an ability to sell and make a 60x move. Um, I wouldn't want to enter Coinbase right now. Um, I think there's so many other companies with bigger upside. So I, I talked about CM Life a while ago, CM Life Sciences. I like Palantir. I like Grab. I, I like a lot of other companies. It's not Coinbase. Hi, Nikki. Is humble and skills good for long term? I like skills from a gaming perspective, um, but I would prefer getting in 14 below. Um, I like what Andrew Paradise is doing. It's got a free cash flow business. It's... Um, it's actually cheap if, if, it, if you get 14 below. So 14 to 10 is an entry point. Humble Pay, there is, I think, a news. It, it's, it was a little bit weird, no? Humble Pay went to 350, and then the moment I woke up, I think it was like 2.9. So I'm not sure if there was bad news. Why did Humble Pay uh, go up and then go down? Actually, it was their news. But I'm bullish on Humble Pay. Actually, $3 below, I've been willing to buy Humble Pay. The launch of Humble Pay is April 16. That would be tomorrow. So um actually I don't know why Humble Pay is falling. Uh so cuz it rose already and then it fell. Um Yeah. So I I, I don't know why people are actually doing buying buying and selling. Uh, um so I'm I'm more really of a long-term perspective. So for Humble, I have it at $3. I'm just keeping it. If it fell to about 280 below, uh, I'm willing to buy. I think it fell last night to 2.6 or something. Not sure. Uh, or was it intraday? But either way, um, I'm willing to get Humble Pay. Long term, I think what they're doing for 40 plus countries and what they're doing, uh, Digibyte, Humble Pay, carry all of that, it's, it's positive for me. 
why is Copen having a hard time to break the twelve dollar price? Uh, for well, for for your information, Copen has rallied from one dollar to twelve dollars, so that's a twelve x move in just less than twelve months. So uh, it might consolidate at about eight to twelve. Um, you might see consolidation. I'd say nine, eight, ten. It will consolidate. But um, the catalyst for Copen will come 2022 to 2023. Why is it 2022 or 2023? Because Apple AR VR headsets are coming 2022 to 2023, and they'll be fighting with Google. And the uh, Google glasses are expected to be 2022. And why should that be important? Because Copen is the supplier of all the Google glasses. How? Hi, are, is there any advice on BNGO? In the short term, I think many people who are not competent in understanding life sciences and in general biotech, they're very much adamant in just doing buying and selling. They, they can't do actually um, long-term investing. Bio-nanogenomics is very hard to understand because like Semalife, like all these packs in the bio-healthcare space, nobody knows why it should be a billion dollars or five billion dollars or a hundred million dollars. So I'd say that expect bio-nanogenomics and PacBio to actually trade in a very volatile manner. But I'd say that when it comes to genomic sequencing, these two companies are actually one of the best companies to have. So does it mean that BNGO can go to $5? In general, anything can happen. Can go to 5 can go to 10 um, But the, the massive movement of BNGO has to do with Sapphire Software, S-A-P-H-Y-R. Uh, S -A -P -H -Y -R. So in the short term, I think that BNGO right now is con uh, consolidating. So um, I do have a bio-nanogenomic stake even as high as 8. And right now, it's trading at $6. Right now, we have this support at $6. Will it go to $4? Um, I do think that the upside is bigger than the downside. So if we are wrong, that it does go down, I'd say that you just hold on to your position. If you're looking to really buy this into the genomic sequencing, um, you don't need a huge position. What you just need is an exposure. In the short term, um, you need catalyst. So what would be the catalyst of BNGO? Let's try to understand the catalyst for bio-nanogenomics. Um, okay, so it's a $1 to $2 billion market cap right now. And they will announce um, clinical evaluation of their optical genome mapping for embryo. So it's really all about the, the adoption of the Sapphire system, right? The Sapphire software. In the short term, it's not even about the earnings. Eh? You don't even need earnings for bio-nanogenomics. What you just need to understand is growth of their customers. Um, it's really just about revenues and outcomes. I think that um, you wait for their ano, clinical trials, all of, all of their clinical trials. It will go up on, 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 uh, on, those, types of, uh, on those types of news. Go to Bio Nanogenomics uh, website. Go straight to um, bionanogenomics.com and then go to their presentations to understand what you are investing upon. People who are in the healthcare space told me that BNGO is actually the, be the, the, the better one versus um, PacBio. So let's see. Revolutionizing cytogenomics, 10,000x resolution versus karyotyping. It's a structural variation company detecting broken, missing, rearranged, or extra chromosomes, diagnosing diseases, defining treatment options, traditional cytogenetic methods, and speed. Sapphire detects all CNVs, chromosomal abnormalities, structural variants, consolidating their traditional cytogenetic assets into one single workflow. Don't ask me if I understood that. I don't know. I, if there's one sector, I have very 
low knowledge about it's bio healthcare and life sciences but i try my best every day to understand it um bio nano work floor tissue biopsies blood cultured cells bone marrow aspirates i actually saw that somebody actually um i was listening uh before this stream i was listening actually how liquid biopsies were supposed to be a better way to find out if you have cancer um and they were saying that and and i think because um for liquid biopsy, IOVA, IOVA is one of the leaders on that, uh, ticker symbol IOVA. So there's so many companies, to be honest, in the, in the healthcare space. But um, not everyone understands it, which actually always spells uh, actually more of an opportunity. It's not even 10x. It's, it's possibly more. But um, so IOVA, you want to understand liquid biopsies. If you want to understand cancer detection early on to save your life, try to understand IOVA's biotherapeutics. Um, BNGO is really um, analyzing your DNA and um, as you heard a while ago from CMLF, the more data, the better that you could understand uh, how to solve, uh, so solve many, many of life's problems, many of the biotech problems. So just understand it here if you want to understand genomics and they've got a lot of webinars, related materials. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be so scared about owning bio-nanogenomics, but understand exposure very well. So actually, I was going to report... Um, okay, I'll, I'll tell you a few things. No? Helpful ways to create your awesome 10x portfolio. One of the ways to really um, have a stronger awesome 10x company conviction, sometimes it's it may not be a 10x, but it's still a 1x to 2x. For instance, for China, you know that the consumer financial experience is every day for Alipay and WeChat. This has been the cashless society, the mobile first country, the mobile payments. And in the Philippines, we're talking about Southeast Asia. You know the shopping and delivery experiences for Grab, Shopee, Lazada, you could even argue Delivery Hero for Food Panda. And Lana Move is not listed. Um, the abundant use of technology, whatever is heavily used versus what's obsolete. So what do I mean? We're entering online payments, online shopping, online gaming, online entertainment, online identity, social network, social media, online marketplace, ride hailing, online messaging, whoever is the platform that dominates in each one category. If it's very convenient, the, the market cap of that is trillions, trillions of dollars. So if you can identify those, those are your 10x companies, whatever is you're using. Um, that's why if it's an everyday everything app like Grab, it's very important. Like in the Philippines, we talk about Gcash and Paymaya. Some people are using Visa and then eventually hopefully Grab, Grab Pay and then C-Money. So I think that um, when you understand how mobile payments affects everything from the way you eat, from the way you spend, uh, your entertainment, your ride hailing, when you have everyday everything app like Grab, it's actually an ambitious mission that I think that they can execute on that. Also, um, I was telling a friend of mine that um, Alibaba itself didn't understand that payment was actually um, a, a gateway for wealth management function. And actually in India, a company just raised money for stockbroking business. The company was PhonePay. PhonePay is actually um, the, the competition of um, Paytm. So, of course, in China, you've already seen how Alipay and Ant Financial has already 
um, done it for Chinese people. Uh, Yue Pao is their treasure pouch. They use it as a money market fund. In fact, it's the largest money market fund. Some of the people there do not even have a bank account. Their bank account is, exa is exactly their, WePay, their WeChat and their Alipay. So it's not just a payment gateway. That's also happened with Square and PayPal. You saw how Square and PayPal adopted into crypto because a lot of their clientele wanted um, their wallets to be able to get BTC. So if, when you ask me, um, if $100 billion Coinbase is expensive, I'd argue because everything that Coinbase does is exactly what Binance does, exactly what Abra Wallets does, exactly what CoinsPH does, exactly what Square and PayPal does. Um, it's just a matter of time when people are all adopting it. So I don't like to pay too much for a cryptocurrency exchange if I see that the moat can easily be established by other companies as well. And then, of course, I talk about proven subscription businesses such as Netflix and Spotify. Um, people always say, oh, I cannot 10x my money on these names because everybody is already invested and made 10x, 100x on them. Not true because I think that uh, Spotify, for instance, is dominating in all 100 plus, um, I think, 160 countries and more. And when you understand that Spotify still has a lot of people who are not paying, uh, me, myself, I'm actually just a free so Spotify user. But if there comes a time that, um, you know, there's exclusive podcasts, there's a way to actually monetize, and they're doing that, uh, monetization of uh, podcasts and um, enabling more people to actually win, that's how Airbnb grew, and that's how I think Grab is growing. Um, empowering more, more not just Filipinos, but the entire Southeast Asian community doing microfinancing with them. I see actually Grab hitting AG, AGC, which is Grab. I see that going to be the ad financial of entire Southeast Asia. And that is a lofty thing. Um, if you just simply look at what ad, ad financial has done, um, I'd say that it's at least $100 billion. So, I mean, it's $100 billion for 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 agc to tap into i think for for china it should be already 300 to 400 billion dollars which makes alibaba so cheap if you really study it um so anyway i i talked a lot sorry i didn't answer a lot of your questions um desktop metal ehang affirm i like them but um i think that most people should be aware of desktop metals clientele so if you're an awesome 10x client you understand that all of these names i've done um a deep dive for so if you're not an Awesome 10X member, I'm sorry, but if you're an Awesome 10X member, do check out um, our deep dive for Desktop Metal. I like what Rick Fulop is doing, Ihang, Derek Xiong, Affirm, that's of course Max Levkin. Great CEOs, great execution. Um, the current levels are actually more of a buying opportunity. Desktop Metal at about 12 to 13. We bought Desktop Metal before uh, when it was not yet Desktop Metal. The first name of Desktop Metal was TRNE, Trine Acquisition. So we got in here at about 12. Uh, I remember 10 to 12. Yeah, 10 to 12. Rally to 34. This drop in SPACs is actually not related to the fundamentals. It's actually more on the margin requirements. Some people might have to be um, very scared about the SPAC margin requirements and therefore they probably sold their desktop metals when it was about 25. So um, I think that if you're buying uh, desktop metal now at 12, a reset right now is great because um, you get to get that 25 to $35 move eventually and why. Um, just take a look at their clientele and you'll understand why. Ehang should be okay. Um, Ehang is gonna report um, their earnings this Friday, and more than the reports, I think what you wanna look at on Ehang is who their who their clientele are. So um, 
if you want to check out more of their um pilot um they, they've done a lot of faa approvals and more um actually you'll learn so much just looking at ehang's website per se so sometimes i i understand you guys might want me to say oh yeah 29 dollars is a buy yes um it doesn't matter if ehang at 35 or 30 you bought i think even at 29 you buy now you might wonder uh nikki you have 34 dollars ehang why don't i see you buy at 29 well i don't have all the money in the world um so i couldn't just buy anything but I'll show you in my portfolio that um, each company is actually uh, thought about. No? So I saw it actually at $29,000. It then fell to $27,800. doesn't matter because you see some people profit-taking on Palantir. And I do have some huge position on that. I do have a huge position on SunPower. And when it falls, I get that drop. Nonetheless, um, so Ehang is one of those drops that I have, 15%. I have losses on Binance Genomics as well. But I don't think that these companies are actually bad companies. So I'm willing to hold on to it. When I say exposure, uh, my risk management is just exposure. If $500 goes wiped down to about $200, doesn't matter to me. $1,000 goes down to $500, doesn't matter to me. So um, when, I, when I expect a company to be long-term in nature, I, I could really cost average it. I could buy and sell it. So um, I'll wait it out. Roblox, I like a company, but um, so at 82, it got sold down to $75. Um, in a way, I think that Roblox is expensive at 29 to $30 billion, but I don't think that you can get Roblox really cheap. Um, you should be happy if you will be able to get Roblox, say, below $70. I'm still waiting at $60 plus, but I might not get my entry point. Nonetheless, um, if you don't know what it is, go again to Awesome 10X. We've got a deep dive for Roblox. Why is NEO having a hard time to go up? Actually, um, Chinese companies tend to have um, high growth, but um, Chinese people really pay attention to price rather than fundamentals. So um, it's possible that Chinese people who have a lot of NEO stake are also a lot. I, I'm not sure, uh, but I, I would surmise that a lot of Chinese people are buying and selling their NEO stake. Which has, uh, which has a tendency to make it harder to go up. Unlike the hodl crowds of BTCs or Ethereums, unlike the hodl crowds of Teslas, who are really mostly long-term in nature, a couple of your stakeholders in NEO are mostly um, short-term in nature. And when they are, that, that is making that company have a harder time going up. But um, if when you're looking at NEO's long-term trajectory, I see nothing wrong. Actually, a $50 billion company like NEO is likely to hit more than forty, um, more than $45. So um, I see NEO going back above 45 Right now, it's trading at 37 right? So um, NEO right now is suffering mostly because of the Chinese sentiment. Um, there's that Chinese-US sentiment right now boiling again because of Taiwan, political issues. Um, Taiwan, US, that's the macro picture. But uh, other than that, I see not a problem here. Neo here at about 37, can go down to 34, could stay in the range. But when I said above 45 soon, um, I'm not sure if it's going to be earnings, but it's not going to, I'm not sure about the catalyst for Neo. But when I'm really invested in a company, um, 
to me, a 20 to 30% downside or even the lack of attention to that company doesn't make me lose faith in the company. It just tells me that my exposure has to be there. So NEO is there, as you could see, 39, 37. So I have it, but um, yeah, so you could see 27 companies. In general, um, I, I don't mind to even own 30 to 40 companies. I have more actually in my IBKR. Um, it helps me to just hold on to my positions and really, uh, if I have cash, I'll buy. If it's low, I'll buy. If it's up, I'll sell so that I could really hold on to it in the future. So, yun. Hope that helps. It's been a long time already. Thank you very much and thanks for watching Awesome Penex. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Bye!